for listening to the New Covenant Fellowship weekly podcast. We hope you're enjoying the messages. Unfortunately, we experienced unexpected technical difficulties this Sunday, which resulted in a very poor quality recording. Nevertheless, we would still like to make the message available to you, but we ask your forgiveness for the poor quality recording. The technical issues have since been resolved, and we expect to return to our high-quality audio performance next week. Thank you, and we hope you enjoy the message.
because of the anticipation of God's goodness being experienced in our lives and our midst in a greater way. You know, you've heard me say this recently, and I'll say it again, that I am in love with Jesus more than I ever have been in my whole life. I am so passionate for Him. I'm so in love with Him. I'm just getting messed up because of His love for me. And I want to stay that way. I want more. I will become known as a Jesus freak. Or a Holy Spirit junkie. I want to be so addicted to His presence that I cannot function without it. You know, just like the worst crack addict who needs that next fix to be able to, to function. I want to be able to not function without His presence in my life. Or I have to have, quote unquote, that fix, that relationship, that intimacy with Him, walking with Him close. That's what I long for. And that's what I'm experiencing more and more as I surrender myself to Him and I say, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. And sometimes I have to hesitate and say, almost yes, Lord. <laughs> Give me a moment. And I might be able to say yes. But I draw close to Him. And I spend time in His presence. And after being in His presence, and all of a sudden it's yes, Lord. And that's why we put we place such a premium on worship here. It's not about an emotional experience, but it's about allowing the Holy Spirit to deal with our hearts. So then we say, yes, Lord. We say, hear my Lord, send me, use me, do what you want through my life. And that is our heart here. And I know that that is your heart. I so appreciate, we talk about this in our staff meetings, our leadership meetings, we so appreciate your response to God's presence. As we've been endeavoring to change things up a little bit so that we can better facilitate His presence, you know, we're, we're trying, we're learning, we experiment, we say, okay, let's try this, okay, that didn't work, let's try this, because our quest is Him. And as we're manipulating and changing and rearranging and trying to do it better, I appreciate your response. Because I feel like your response is, whatever it takes, let's keep moving. We want more. You know, it was funny because um, in the past, there would, you know, during worship, we would have worship and people would come in about halfway through worship, but I call them half-timers. They come in at halftime. Because <laughs> they don't want to endure the whole thing, so they can endure half of it. Now, there, I'm sure there's certain reasons why some people couldn't. You know, if you have small children or, or a flat tire on the way to church or whatever, I'm sure there's reasons, practical reasons why people couldn't get here on time. But it just seemed like there's always, always a, a, a large crowd of people that made it at halftime. But that seems to have changed dramatically. I mean, by the time worship starts, most of you guys are here. That's like, hmm. Something's going on. And I'm extremely excited. But if we want God, we want His stuff, we want Him and His stuff, we have to do it His way. We can't have him our way. And he says in 2 Chronicles 7, 14, If my people who are called on my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven. You know, one thing that grieves me is I've heard a number of songs that um, it, it, the chorus is, If my people who are called on my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face, and they stop there. Beautiful songs, beautiful choruses, but they leave out that last part that I believe is very significant. He wants us to humble ourselves. We have to humble ourselves. We need to pray, realizing, God, I need you. And he wants us to seek his face, which means he's drawing us to an intimate relationship with him. He's saying, seek my face. And then he's saying, turn from your wicked ways. 
That means repentance from sin. Is there any other way to say that? Too many people are wanting his face, his stuff. I feel like I'm talking with a this. But there are too many people who want God and his stuff without turning away from the stuff that he says we need to turn away from. And we can unintentionally, in our in a church culture, create an environment where we say it's okay to love and worship God and continue in your sin. But the word of God is contrary to that. We cannot have him and hold on to our sin. It's one or the other. We talked about the wonderful progression that he talks about. If my people, first of all, he's talking to his people. He's not talking to the world. He's talking to people who have a covenant relationship with Almighty God. My people who are called. How many of you are called today? If you will humble yourselves... We need to humble ourselves. We need to see our condition before God and humble ourselves and say, God, I need help. I need your grace. And true humility will lead us to prayer. We will humble ourselves and not pray. True humility is going to lead us on our face and say, God, I need you. And he says, seek my face. So even before he says, turn from your wicked ways, he says, seek my face. So he's drawing He's drawing you to an intimate relationship with him. He's not saying, you dirty, sorry, no good, nothing. You get cleaned up and then come. He's saying, you, my child, who's messed up, who's gotten yourself in a mess, come seek my face. Come draw close to me so I can set you free. Isn't that awesome? Then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land. Now my eyes will be open and my ears attended to prayer made in this place. And I mentioned last week that we talk about that in the church, we champion and rally our stance against homosexuality and abortion. And we stand against those things. I'm here to tell you that we do stand against those things. Because those two things are sin. But the problem is, is we camp on that and we stay there. And we think, well, you know what? I'm not having any abortions. Haven't had any. I'm not struggling with homosexual tendencies. I'm good. 1 Corinthians 6, verses 9 through 11. I'm going to go ahead and read it. You can mark it down in your notes. Or do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Warning. There's a place for deception. Warning. There's a place for deception. So he's saying, do not be deceived. Deceived about what? What he says next. Neither fornicators. What's fornication? Fornication is consensual sexual intercourse between two persons not married to each other. Having sex outside of marriage. Being in love with each other doesn't cut it. Neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor homosexuals, nor thieves, nor the covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. Now, do you notice homosexuality was on that list? But it wasn't the only thing on that list. <laughs> but yeah, which one do we focus on? Which one do the scriptures focus on? All of them. Will not inherit the kingdom of God. Such were some of you. Such were some of you. But you were washed, but you were sanctified, but you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and in the Spirit of our God. First Timothy 1, 8 through 10. Now we know that the law is good if one uses it lawfully. Understanding this, that the law is not laid down for the just, but for the lawless and disobedient. 
for the ungodly and sinners, for the unholy and profane, for those who strike their fathers and mothers, for murderers, for the sexually immoral, men who practice homosexuality, enslavers, liars, perjurers, and whatever else is contrary to sound doctrine. Again, that word homosexuality is in that list, but it's among many other things in that list. You know, and, and it's interesting in the list in 1 Corinthians 6, 9 through 11, there are 10 things listed there. You can say half of them deal with sexual sin. At least four out of 10. Idolatry, you can kind of put in the area of sexual sin. So half the list is dealing with sexual sin. Why would the list need that much, that high a percentage of sexual sin being mentioned? Maybe there's a problem. Maybe there's a problem with sexual sin. And abortion and homosexuality are just two of the variety of problems. One of the problems is when it comes to sexuality and sexual perversion and everything, one of the problems is our attitude towards sexual issues. And our attitude is, it's not that big a deal. It's not that big a deal. I mean, God understands. I mean, I'm a man, he made me this way. You gotta understand my tendencies. And it's interesting because we'll make excuses for my infidelity or my adultery, but there's no way I'm gonna excuse the homosexual. You know, I was, I was thinking about this this week. We were talking about a mention of abortion. 1.5 million, am I saying that statistic rightly? 1.5 million ladies have abortions annually. I have a question for you. Pop quiz. What percentage of those women who were having abortions were impregnated by men? <laughs> The woman that has the abortion? Or the man that got her pregnant and doesn't want anything to do with her or the responsibility of that child? And, and also Lisa, Lisa Leah mentioned that out of that one and a half million, 250,000 of those women are evangelical women that have abortions. That figure blew me away. 250,000 evangelical women. That means there are women in our churches that have had abortions. But a question that popped in my head, what percentage of those evangelical women were impregnated by evangelical men? Men, the abortion problem is not a woman problem. I can make a promise to you, if men would not participate, there would be no abortion. You catch that? I'm not talking about the stored deposits either. Never mind, you catch that later. You know, there's some statistics. Every second, 
$3,075 is being spent on pornography. Every second. $3,000, $6,000, I'm going to stop there because my math kind of gets weak. <laughs> Every second, 20... 28,256 internet users are viewing pornography. Every second, 28,000 people are viewing pornography. 1,001, 1,002, 1,003. This statistic really caught me by surprise these last couple of weeks. One in three persons, excuse me, one in three porn viewers are women. One in three porn viewers are women. Ladies, this isn't just a man problem, is it? I thought it was. That means if I had three people up here that were into pornography, two of them would be men and one would be a woman. That's pretty shocking. And the statistic that got my attention as well if I can find it. The average age at which a child first sees internet pornography is 11. The average age at which a child views internet pornography is 11. Now that's shocking by itself, but what really got my attention was that when you have an average, at 11 being the average, that means you have some older than 11, Some younger than 11, 8, 9, 10 years old, getting into pornography. You know, there's this thing about um, romance novels. And someone was telling me about a book, a new book. I'm not going to say the name of it because I don't want to encourage your curiosity and you go out and look at it or buy it or whatever. But it's a book, and it's a very, extremely popular book right now. I heard they came and keep it on the shelves. And I went to, I wanted to read the reviews on that. I went on Amazon, look for reviews. Now, typically when I buy a book, I'll look at reviews, and it'll say like 30 reviews, 15 reviews, one review. Be the first to review this book. <laughs> it's like, I want to be the first. I went to this book. 17,000 reviews. And I was reading some of the reviews. I couldn't read the reviews. That these women, as they were talking about this book, it's like, yeah, read. 17,000 reviews. 17,000 reviews. That's staggering. I've never seen a book have that many reviews before. Now, I'm not saying there's not. But what that showed me is a lot of ladies are buying that book. A lot of ladies are buying that book. And it's horrible. I mean, it's, it's pornography in written form, basically. Anybody ever heard of the chat room? How many relationships, how many marriage relationships get destroyed because one of the partners goes into a chat room and develops an emotional attachment to someone else in the chat room? And ends up leaving their covenant partner, partner they have a covenant with, to go with their chat buddy. I mean, how many times do you hear about that? I'm not just going to raise your hand. But this is prevalent in our society. Having sex outside of marriage and saying, well, it's okay, God understands, we love each other. I don't know how many couples I've talked to that say they're Christians, and if they live together, they're not married. And they think it's okay. It's okay as long as they don't read the word. <laughs> as long as they stay ignorant, they're good. You know, the pornography issue is pretty bad. It's pretty messed up. Men looking lustfully at women. And I remember this one man, and he wasn't the only one, but I remember this one man particularly 
His justification for, for looking at women lustfully were, well, God has made all kinds of wonderful, beautiful creations, like the sunsets and the beautiful mountains. So a beautiful woman is just God's creation. And it's okay to marvel at God's creation. And it's okay to marvel at God's creation if you have a kind of relationship with that woman. That means she has the ring on her finger that you gave her. Then marvel all you want. <laughs> Brothers, I highly endorse that. <laughs> I might hear about that one later. <laughs> so I'm going to ask for your prayers. <laughs> and if you don't hear from me, come looking. <laughs> You know, I remember years ago, some of you might have heard of James Bond, 007. The dude was my hero. I mean, bad to the bone. You know what I'm saying? Dude was bad to the bone. And I remember one time, I can't remember if I was actually watching the James Bond, because every time they came out, I was there. It's like, James Bond's coming out in three weeks. Yeah. I can't remember if I was actually watching the movie, James Bond, I can't remember what it was. But I was, this is now, I started watching James Bond when I was younger, and then even up into my Christian years, me and James Bond were still homies. Wow. And I remember one day the Holy Spirit asked me, he said, um, so this is your hero? I'm like, yeah, James Bond is awesome. He gets the bad guy, no matter what circumstance he finds himself in, he always gets out. Because when it looks hopeless, he's got something in his shoe, or in his sock, or in his eyeball. I mean, he's got something that's going to get him out of that situation. I'm like, yeah, Lord, you know, he's, he's the good guy, always getting the bad guy, the good guy wins, all that kind of stuff. But have you noticed, which I know those of you who are familiar with James Bond, that no matter what continent he goes to, no matter what internationality he's visiting, he's going to be in bed with some woman of that internationality. Of that nationality. You know what I'm saying? I mean, he's sleeping with everybody. And I always just said, this is your hero. And see, I was okay with the gadgets and stuff, but he wasn't, he wasn't concerned about the gadgets. He's talking about that immorality that I'm putting before me, and I'm saying, he's my hero. So me and James might have to part our ways. But it's all good. I've survived, I'm good. And the cool thing is, I mean, because I used to love me some James Bond. Seriously, I used to love James Bond. But fortunately, because of God's grace, this new cat that's James Bond, I haven't seen any of his movies or the cat before him. I can't remember his name. I used to know all their names. But God is replacing that desire for that for something better. <clears throat> we have a problem with sexuality. And too many Christians... Especially young Christians are embracing this as our culture. This is our culture. This is who we are. This is part of us. The only culture as a, as a born-again Christian we should be embracing is the culture of the kingdom of God. If it doesn't have anything to do with God's righteousness, then it is not our culture. If you claim to be a follower of Jesus Christ. You know, we've, we've done many marriage um, classes love and respect. There's one we did, uh, which is really cool. The Clucklers introduced us to this one. It's called Laughing Way with Better Marriage. If you haven't seen it, you gotta see it. Pretty awesome. But beware. The dude doesn't hold back. <laughs> I don't know if I can blush. But Lisa and I are watching this video. <laughs> We're watching this video and watching it, and it's, it's awesome. And I said, what did he just say? Did he say, I'm like, oh my goodness, I felt my face get hot, 
You know when you blush, I think your face gets hot when you blush. <laughs> but the dude was laying, laying down truth. And one thing that he, he shocked me with, now this is a, he's a pastor ministering uh, in marriage, the marriage context. And he was saying that some men can't even respond to their wives anymore because of their addiction to pornography and masturbation. I'm going to say it again. That some men can't even respond to their wives anymore because of their addiction to pornography and masturbation. And here's something that even shocked me that this brother said. Some men can only respond sexually to their wives if they can view pornography while they're being intimate with their wives. Is that okay? No. Yeah, we're talking about the stuff in church. Brothers, we've got a problem. A serious problem. And for us to shame our wives and to make them think that it's okay to view pornography. I was, as I was researching this week, I, I was looking at this, this one site, the statistics on pornography and all that kind of stuff, and then watching, reading the comments, the reviews, and it was amazing how people were blasting this site that was laying out statistics on pornography. And these people were just dogging it. Oh, that's just, it's all a scam to get your money. They want people to think they're addicted to all this kind of stuff so they can encourage you to go to these institutions and get your money. I'm thinking, wow. And then this one lady was sharing how not all pornography is bad because her and her husband were having trouble and then a friend introduced them to couple pornography. Well, they would watch it together and it would in, in, enhance their relationship. And she was saying how their marriage has been, been better because of that. I thought that poor lady. She is setting up, her, she is being set up for a major fall. Because I guarantee her husband is having deeper issues with that pornography. She may not be, I guarantee you he is. You know, some of us think we can hide pornography in our homes and then not be discovered. If you're hiding pornography in your home and you have teenagers, I can guarantee you that they will find it. And maybe the sad news is they probably already have. You know, a friend of mine, I was talking to a pastor, and he, I asked him if I could share this. I'm not going to mention his name. But he was telling me a story of when he was a teenager. I think he was either a teen or a preteen. He was a young teenager, if that. And he was over a relative's house. And I think he said he was babysitting or something. He was with some cousins or something babysitting. And he had this thought. Go look in the freezer. And I believe the freezer was in the garage or somewhere. He went and looked in the freezer and he found this box. And in this box he looked up and it was a pornographic film. And he popped it in, watched it. I can't remember if that was his introduction to pornography, but what caught my attention is he said something told him to go look in the freezer. Was that the Holy Spirit? <laughs> it was a spirit, wasn't it? Now why would that spirit tell that young man where that pornography was? He wants him to be addicted. He wants him to be in bondage. That spirit knew exactly where that stuff was because he influenced the man that put it there. So you thinking you're sly and clever and cute and all that kind of stuff that you can hide it and no one's going to find it? It's probably already too late. The average viewing age of a young man, 11 years old. But I'm a Christian, CJ. We don't have these problems because we're Christians. You can just imagine the statistics of Christians, pastors, who are struggling with this.
Now remember, we um, years ago we were with um, say the internet, that, that uh, phone company. I want to mention that phone company because it's a terrible phone company. There's nothing wrong with the phone company. But anyway, we were with this phone company, and every once in a while, they you know, would get our bill, and our bill would average anywhere from $60 to $75, <coughs> you know, on average. Well, we would get it, and it would be inflated, be $115, $120. It's like, what? We'd look at it, and we see some charges on there that weren't ours. So we'd call them up, and fortunately, this company was good at saying, I'm sorry, sir, for your inconvenience. I'm sorry for overcharging everything. And they would take care those charges. Like, awesome. Praise God. And that would happen. That would happen for you. It happened maybe two, three, four times. I remember one time I came home and uh, you know, come home, routine, come home, Lisa's cooking, and get the mail. I go through the mail, got the phone bill, open it up. $340 phone yeah, right. Versus like, woman, who you been calling? <laughs> I didn't say that. But it's like, what? I'm like, these people, come on. This is this is this is all this time. There's no way. I mean, sixty to seventy-five dollars, three hundred and forty. Like, mm -hmm. yeah, right. I can't wait to get on the phone with with that poor person on the other end. What would happen? Anyway, so I call the company up. And say, yeah, I got a problem. Our phone bill, it's way overpriced. And then he, uh, he said, well, sir, I'd be happy to help you with that. So I appreciate it. And he's going through it. He said, uh, do you have any teenagers in home? And he said, well, I have some preteens. And he said, well, the, uh, the extra charges are due to pornography sites. Because I knew as soon as he said that, I thought, oh my goodness, I can't believe this. But wait a minute, we're a godly family. We love Jesus. We go to church. I'm on staff full time. This is heaven, bro. I felt sick. I felt really sick. The average age of a child being introduced to online pornography is age 11. Some older, some younger. See, the problem that made me really sick to my stomach was it wasn't my boys that had gotten on the internet pornography. It was me. I ran up almost $300 from the pornographic sites. Get off the phone. Lisa says, hey, did you get it figured out? I said, yeah. We got it figured out. She goes, oh, what was it? I said, I'll tell you later. I thought I was going to throw up. But I realized I had a choice. See, up to this point, I've been battling for an for so months. I stumbled, well, I'm not going to say I stumbled across it because it was intentional. But I remember one, one phrase stuck in my head. And it's interesting how all the phrases, one sticks in your head. I remember someone saying, man, it is amazing how accessible and easy it is to get into pornography on the internet. And this person wasn't saying it as an encouraging thing. Hey, let's do it. He was like, I can't believe this. That phrase stuck in my mind. And when I was home one night working, on stuff, and all of a sudden I was reminded of that phrase, how easy it is. I typed in one word. Boom. My computer just blew up. I was overwhelmed with the images that came across that screen. And there began a problem for several months. 
Oh, remember, I love God. Say, God, I want to forgive me. Forgive me for this. I want freedom. And I'll repent sincerely, completely, as much as I know how. And I'll be good for a while. And all of a sudden, when there's discouragement, boredom, whatever it was, temptation, boom. And so this battle went on and on and on. And I can cry out to God and say, God, I want to be free. Because I love you. I want to be free from this mess. You know what he said? Okay. Fast forward. Before I get that telephone bill, earlier that day, I'm at work. I'm having an awesome quiet time with the Lord. And I have this feeling. You know how you see, whether you do it or not, or see on TV or whatever, where the child did something wrong, and he's sitting on the, the, the parent's lap, and they're about to get a spanking. And they love him and say, son, daughter, you know, this is going to hurt me before it hurts you. You know that. And you know they're saying, I, I love you, I want you to know I love you, that kind of thing. In other words, they're reassuring your love, but they're about to lower the boom. That's how I felt that morning when I was having an awesome, quiet time with God. He was reassuring me of his love, but I felt like the hammer was about to come down. But I didn't know what, it, I, I couldn't explain, I just had that feeling. <clears throat> so when I came home and, and got the telephone bill, the hammer was lowered. The Lord says you have a choice. Because what I could have done is I could have lied to Lisa. I could have figured out some kind of way to skirt the issue in life. But I recognized here was my opportunity. And I said, I need to talk to you. So I went to the bedroom. I can tell you I didn't enjoy dinner that night. I don't even know what it was. Probably one of my favorites, but it wasn't that night. And I said, I gotta tell you something. So you remember that $340 phone bill? She goes, yeah, what was that all about? I said, it was me and pornography. And the look on her face. I said, I never want to see that look again. The look of betrayal, of hurt, of all the adjectives you can describe. And I saw my bride's face, her looking at me. I said, no, this isn't funny. Thank God for his goodness and a forgiving wife. There begin the journey to, to freedom. And you know, I remember in that period, that time period, lust would be so strong in those images. Because psychologically and, and scientifically, they talk about when you when you view images like that, you know, the endorphins, the chemical reaction that happens in your head and everything is kind of like a high. And they say that pornography is more addictive than, than any drug. And so all these images get burned in your head. And then you can't escape them. Every time you close your eyes, that's all you see. And it's like being tormented with these images. It's like, my goodness. You know, you're trying to worship, and you close your eyes, and it's like, ah, can't escape this. And I thought, it's going to be like this for the rest of my life. This stinks. Because of the stupid choices I've made, I'm bound up in this forever. But I can stand here and tell you today that that is not true. Amen. Now you may have a bit, a little bit better understanding and appreciation of my passion for Jesus. Because he has set me free. I can close my eyes, I can worship, and I can have awesome thoughts of him, his kingdom, and those tormenting thoughts not torment me like they used to. Now, don't, don't be deceived. I'm still tempted. And I believe every man, as long as he's on this planet, is going to be tempted. Unless he's dead, blind, or castrated. <laughs> if you don't fall into one of those categories, you're going to be tempted. And I don't want any of those other options. <laughs> And so this is what I'm excited about. 
This is why I get so excited about singing love songs to Jesus. In that scripture, in 2 Chronicles chapter 7, verse 14, when he says, My people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. And I realized that it, when my hands were dirty, full of wickedness, the Lord says, Come on, see. Come on. And whether it's pornography, whether it's an abortion, whether it's homosexuality, whether it's adultery, whatever it is, Jesus is saying, come on. Yeah. There is hope. There is forgiveness. There is freedom. There is victory. But we have to come to him. Come to him. And I promise what he offers is a whole lot better. Is a whole lot better. Now I'm going to say something. The Lord put this on my mind earlier this week, and I've been very nervous to say this, but I'm going to say it because of the responsibility that goes with it. And I asked the Holy Spirit, I said, this morning, if you bring it to my remembrance, I'll say it. If you don't, then I'll acknowledge you. So he brought it to my memory right now, and I'm going to say it. There's either one or more people here this morning who's on the verge of committing adultery. <clears throat> and if you continue in the path that you're going, you're going to blow your life apart. And that's when you know that I'm talking to you. You have to repent. You have to repent. Whatever form that looks like, I don't need to explain details because you know the details. If that's you, please repent. Your family's worth it. The calling of God in your life is worth it. That garbage, that, that flirtatious affair is not worth it. It'll destroy your lives. Read Proverbs chapter 5. You'll see what I'm talking about. And if you want to or need to come talk to me afterwards, please do. Please. You know, this morning, during pre-prayer, when I was praying, I was sitting next to Wayne Elliott. And all of a sudden, the Lord said, I want you to, you know, he was sitting right next to me in this chair. He said, I want you to put your arm around him. I just want you to lean on him and just hug him. And I saw that image in my mind. And so I did it. And I was probably shocked. Like, oh, hey, see, I love you too, bro. <laughs> I didn't ask his permission. I just did it. And I know with Wayne, that's cool. Wayne is cool with it. If there's ever a couple that's mom and pop anointing, <laughs> It's them. And when I reached over and grabbed him, the Lord said, he was showing me a prophetic act. This is what I want to do to my kids. I want them to know that they can come close to me and hold me and I'll hold them. Regardless of how dirty their hands are. That's what the Lord wants to do. Now this is going to be a two-part series. Like, what? <laughs> Again, I think I have somewhere else to go next week. <clears throat> Today I want to talk about the problem. Next week I want to talk about the solution. Because there is one. There is freedom. There is victory in Christ Jesus. And I know I've put you in an awkward position. I've been, I've been dealing with this all week. Now you can understand the gravity. When the Lord said, this is what I want you to deal with, I said, no, first. And I said, are you sure? And I said, prove it. <laughs> and I can assure you that when I was talking to my father, I, it was not this in a disrespectful tone. I was like, are you sure? I know what awkward situation this place is you in. Because it reminds me of the awkward situation I was in when I had to look at my wife in the face and say that I just ran up a $300 pornography bill. It was pretty awkward. There were no warm fuzzies going on at that time. And so the awkwardness of this is, wow, I'm guilty. My wife's sitting next to me. My husband's sitting next to me. What if they ask? 
And I just want to say to you that the awkwardness of the situation is called God's grace and mercy. Giving you an opportunity to repent and turn from your wicked ways. So that you can attain grace and find mercy in your time of need. I'm not going to ask you to come to the front. But I'm going to ask you to stand. And right now, this is, this is, go ahead and stand with me. This is you and God time. And you have a lot to think about. And hopefully some, some positive choices to make. Some of you are wondering, why is my marriage struggling? Why am I having a problem? Why can I not relate to my wife? Why, can, why am I having a hard time connecting to my husband? Sexual sin can be a very big part of it. And unless you repent, you're going to continue to have problems until your family is destroyed. So you have a choice. Do I want God? Do I want His kingdom? Do I want His calling? Do I want a successful family? There is a price to pay. That price is repentance. You bow your hands and close your eyes. Holy Spirit, we thank you for truth that sets us free. Lord, we thank you for your, your passion for our freedom. And that was proven when you hung on the cross. And you said, this is how much I want you to be free. And you stretched out those arms and you died. So this is a big deal, Lord. This is a huge deal. Because it was our sin that held you up on that cross. And Father, I thank you right now for releasing your grace, your grace, your grace, your grace, your grace. For repentance. God, thank you that you're committed to us. Thank you that you love us, Lord. And the Bible does say, do not resist the grace of God. So right now, just open your hearts and embrace that grace that will enable you to do what he wants you to do. Jesus, I want it. Thank you, Father, for people who want freedom, to love you passionately, to be free, to love their spouse, their kids, and each other. We love you, Father. We bless you. We thank you. We honor you. In the name of Jesus.